Folks, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. The truth reveals itself. It's revealed in the body of work that you put out there to the masses. For musicians, before interconnection, this was done via vinyl records, regional radio, and lots of late-night jam sessions with musicians who thrived on individuality, unique sound, and authentic presentation. Their bodies weren't decorated with company logos, nor was there much discussion of monies. If music is to be played, then play it with unabashed power and glory, with an emphasis on being yourself, and knowing that the cream always rises to the top. If you're not a doer, you judge, and there's not much worse in this world than judgment being rendered by those who are not doers. Their vantage point is flawed from the beginning because they themselves are just insecure, afraid to put themselves out there and lead for the sake of swinging the band. They're sitting on their balls, critiquing those who chose to stand up and stir the drink of music and magic. My guest today is a doer, always has been, collaborating with the likes of Lou Matthews, Bobby Christian, Phil Upchurch, Cleveland Eaton, George Marsh, and Mel Graves. He might be playing a ghost stopper by day and then a big band gig at night, blowing ideas in a sequence that borrows from Coleman and Bird and Getz, but has the inner light of a prophet guided by sight unseen or heard. His career has encompassed the last, last half century with stints in the hottest, hottest beds of regional American music. He's played in front of five people, 500 people, 5,000 people. And now he's ready to talk to Jake Feinberg. Rich Fidoli, it's an honor to have you on the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you, man. Thank you. Glad to be here. Let's go. Hey, um, I, 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 want, I wanted to, to ask you a little bit about your father. Um, when, how long was he in your life for through your playing career? Uh, I started when I was a, uh, just uh, a child. They used to sit me on a bar, and uh, I'd sing when Paul was courting Ma. It was supposed to be when Paul was courting Ma, but I sang when Paul was corking Ma. <laughs> so I was a big hit right off the bat. <laughs> And um, my dad uh, put a horn in my hand maybe when I was four or five. I had a little soprano saxophone, and then I finally got a clarinet. And um, he taught me a tune a day for a long, long time. Um, And then he found me some teachers when I was maybe eight. And taught me how to read better and learn how to play legit clarinet and uh, like that. But uh, I stayed with him till oh, till I left, uh, which was around 18, 19 years old. Did he, did he get a chance to see his son in prime time? Like, was he able to appreciate that? Because a lot of the guys I talked to, you know, if their fathers were instrumental in them, for the, you know, infusing that love, they weren't necessarily always there on this earth. I was wondering when he passed away, if you, you know, when he passed away, and how much he got to see of you, your playing career. Um, quite a bit. He didn't go out too much, and uh, well, when I was about eleven years old, I was on a horse hike show. That was an old uh, amateur show, but it was a national uh, radio show. What was it called? And, uh, pardon? What was it called? The horse hike. Show. The horse hike show. I was Eleven years old. Beautiful. Can, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it was. Uh, and uh, I got a little noise from 
around that, and um, uh, he heard about that, that I appeared around some of the places around here, and I played with him a lot, too, when I was very young. He took me out on his first gigs because he was a, a good alto player and a good piano player, played accordion and played pretty much everything. I Basically, I thought everybody played when I was a kid. That is unbelievable. We had music all around all the time. We had a little band. Comes out, we had a pool room and that kind of thing. Oh, man. Rich Fado, what an honor it is, man. What an honor. I mean, you know, that is... uh, And did did your father grow up in a musical family? Like, did his his folks play? No, but his his dad uh, uh, came right from Italy, and he made sure that my dad had... And his brothers had a band uh, when they were kids. And they were always, uh, you know, all they were all local around here, uh, around Butler as well, from Butler, Pennsylvania. And uh, it was uh, so they played uh, basically. There was always music around, so I played a lot of my dad's bands. Uh, we had a pool room when I was a kid, when I was around seven or eight. And, He'd have his bands practice here, like one pool table. He had a pool. It was a pretty rough neighborhood where we came from. It's like Rodney Dangerfield said, if you came out of my neighborhood with ears, you were a sissy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you were hiding. Yeah, in, it was, yeah. Uh, you know, I just thought everybody plays. You know, and and yeah, it's beautiful. I played with my dad a lot, and uh, I'd like to just say that the best lesson he ever taught me was. I had to give him goosebumps when I played. If I didn't, he'd call me everything in the world. You know, just bitch at me, just like, what's the matter with you? In other words, you're wasting my time. Unless you're playing from the heart, you are wasting his time. Mm. So that was the best lesson I ever got. What did that, uh, it was be at that point, you had already, you, you understood scales, you understood all the technical parts of it, but how do you, how did you, when you heard him say those things, you know how did did you transfer that only to the visceral, like to the to the core of who Rich Fidoli is? I mean, how long a process was? Well, I I could never lie to him. I, I couldn't lie to him through the horn. Mm-hmm. In other words, I had to be sincere when I was praying at all times. I mean, if I was reading music, I had to be sincere. If I was playing tunes with him, and I, it just had to be sincere in music. And I always felt that that was the that was the real uh, uh, sense of being a musician. You know, it's the same old thing. It's just like uh, how's it sound? You know, everybody talks about technical this and technical that, and do this and do that. They never think about how it sounds. I mean, I always had a sound good, mm. and it was always my thing. If I played, if I knew three tunes at four, five, six years old, or five tunes or a hundred tunes, they all had a sound good. Otherwise, which was another great lesson. In other words, it's it's the same old thing. People can talk about music and and study it and get all their degrees and do everything. Uh, but they never wonder, how's it sound? Like, even if you hear commercials or anything, how's it sound? So it was all about how it sounded. And um, so I always had that great sound in my head that, you know, like, somehow I always knew if something was right. Like, if he wanted to tell me a chord change or something, he wouldn't say what the chord was. He'd just jerk his head. And 
then I'd know that uh, the board was coming up, and I'd better find out what it is in a hurry. It's funny. I just interviewed uh, Junie Booth, bass player from... Uh, from originally from Buffalo, and he was just talking about the the neighborhoods, the Italian neighborhoods and the black neighborhoods often bordered on each other. And he said that the there's something about the Italian musicians. You know, you go across the New York area, upstate New York, Don Menza's up there, Sal Nistico's up there. Uh, you get these really, you know, like you know, we got Rich Fidoli, you know, out of Butler. Um, it just there was something. Uh, um, uh, he, he mentioned the the tenacity of the Italian players in the sense of really understanding their instruments and then being able to infuse that, 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 you know, gut reaction. And I think it's a testament to the, the ethnic quality of, uh, of the, of the uh, Italians that came over here. I'm on your side. I think that's very true. Uh, I was, it's funny, like, I never watched an Italian movie, too, but there was an Italian movie on TCM uh, uh, tonight, and uh, and it's just like Italians like music. I mean, everybody plays. You know, I really my aunt played, my uncles played. Uh, um, my grandfather was originally from New York. He came over and was at Mulberry Street for many years, and everything. Then he came and found it here. You know, he found uh, a life here. You know, it was called right. Butler Valley or something at that time, and. And uh, uh, that's how we got here. But he knew what was going on. In other words, my dad said he had to wear white shirts till he was 13 years old. You know, like, was about dressing. Yeah. So one thing I like about Italians, the, the real thing I like about Italians is, like, the idea of respect and international flavor, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got, I, got a, I, got a, I got a dear a dear friend, one of my best friends down here in Tucson, and... Uh, he comes from one of those families. Like his dad is more like your age, but uh, his, his grandfather originally was the one that came over here. And, and it's it's it, they're, they're they're out in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You know, rug, it was rugged, it was rugged stuff. And and uh, I I and it was done. I, you know, like like it's not the way I grew up, Rich. You know, and uh -huh. I, I think that's one reason it's 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 compelling to me because. It, it it shows about it it, it it tests your security it builds your security in yourself uh, and 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 there are lessons to be learned from that especially for my generation and younger generations I just think it's it's powerful stuff and and but but um, the bottom line is that uh, you know you, your dad was in that in that he had polka bands, he was playing accordion, he'd go out and play alto. Can you talk about, you know, was there ever some, did, when was the first time when you were young, like, did some heavyweight, like, Sonny Stitt walk in, and you're like, whoa, who the heck is this, and then he just starts blowing, did your dad, because, I mean, it wasn't out of the question for those cats to come through those towns. Exactly right, yeah. Um, uh, Italian singers came through, it's a small town here, you know, that I had heard stories of. Right. People visited him from from New York and stuff. But uh, guys like Perry Como, when he was a barber, came through here and and that kind of thing. But that was just some of the names that did. It, uh, basically, uh, what comes to my mind now is, uh, uh, you know, Dodo Marmosa was from Pittsburgh. Dodo Marmosa, oh. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I knew him when I was around... Ten years old. So a good story about that. Is, uh, Absolutely. When I 
walked in, I walked into this joint, and I was the hottest thing around this little town, you know. <laughs> so I walked into a place, they took me into this joint where he was playing. You know, he was coming off or something. I, his life was all messed up, and he had played with uh, Parker and stuff like that. And, and he was really messed up uh, with, uh, with with everything, you yeah. know. And uh, uh, I, I walked in, I said, hey, man, you know Perdido? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I asked him my roast, do you know Perdido? You know, it's just, and he just played the introduction. I almost fell on the floor and I heard a guy play like that, you know. <laughs> so I spent the next few years with him, like, playing. I'd play all day, as much as I can for him, like, at hours at a time. And he'd play for me, and we played together around here. And that was, like, the really first time I ran into some uh, somebody who was really a player because, uh, you know, I didn't particularly grow up in a, uh, it wasn't an Italian neighborhood. Everybody, well, one person was from Italy, another person from Czechoslovakia, another person from Russia, another person <laughs> from everywhere. My dad spoke like yeah. four or five languages, but he had to, you know, and I uh. had to understand. But I, uh, but somehow they kept the real Italian tradition going. They did. Uh, they, it was very, yeah, it was uh, really I, well I done, man. I, it's exactly, it's, it, I, I feel that way uh, hierarchically, like within the family, the nuclear family, too. It's just so solid. I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it was the best to kind of bring it up like I could have because I really was, a, was for and against all kind of cultures. I mean, it wasn't a joke where we, I, I brought myself to, I brought all the way to the gig and they carried me back on their shoulders coming home. Right. You know, I mean, it yeah. really was real rough bullshit. You know, you just can't even believe it. So but it was good. Did I you, mean, did you, all good. did you, was, uh, yeah. No, I um, want to ask you, did you, were you a. And, uh, and Horse Height uh, was like, you know, he had named people in his big band. Right. So that was really the first time I got a chance to, uh, to to really meet with him, you know, and then uh, meet like big time musicians, and then Gene Krupa and, and people like uh, oh, geez, Les Brown was really the first big band I really loved, you know. That's when you had Ronnie Langland and Alto and stuff like that. They were it was a great old band, you know. Uh, Les Brown band, you know, when he was uh, hot as they could be. Sure. But, and that kind of thing, I, I sort of ran into that. The real jazz people I ran into basically was when I, uh, uh with Dota Marosa, basically. I mean, then all the guys around here, like, who were jazz players really, uh, start really mentoring me. You know, like, uh, I mean, great players. Jack Wake was a guitar player, uh, uh, just great players. They knew all the tunes, and I know a million tunes. You know, by the time I was 10, 12 years old, I must have known a thousand tunes or something. I play those tunes today. I mean, you know, uh, uh, if I had you and all the old show tunes, somehow my dad knew all of them. <laughs> I mean, Things ain't what like they that. used to be. Things ain't what they used to be. Yeah, they really aren't. I just, even when I see old movies, I can't believe it. Like, I, so I'm going to scare you. No, hold on. Were you, were you, uh... You know, jeez. You know, those two I knew all the time, never knowing. They must have, well, my mother knew a lot of movies and stuff like that. So maybe that's why my mother knew the words my father played. He played. He 
plays damn good. You know what I mean? With him. A really good player. <laughs> I see that now. I do really need to be able to talk to him. Mm. He died in 1985. Mm. Uh, just uh, what a guy. I, mean, I can't even believe this guy. He really helped me. I mean, the stuff he told me uh, still lasts when I practice, when I think about it. I mean, I, it's always about feeling. It's always about, you know, what do you have to say? Everybody can play the notes. There's nobody who can't play the notes, but what do you what do you have to say? You know, it's, that you live the life, you know. Oh, keep yeah, dude. You know, it's about. I was listening back to this uh, record that that you were on. Uh, it was sponsored by uh, Pacific Standard Oil, and uh, you're doing a seminar. You're not a seminar. You're doing a jam s- uh, session with uh, George Marsh and a few other cats. Yeah, yeah, we did a seminar. Yeah, that one of the people award or Oh man, you know it's it's just it's righteous because you, you got you were talking about oh I, the and and you know the, the the interviewer was was kind of somber but he was a smart dude and he was just trying to do his job and and you said something yeah, I think it's from the San Francisco Examiner or something like yeah that. I, I, I the apologize name, like I know you guys don't like to do this or anything no 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 I, I thought he did, no what was really cool I mean listen anybody I don't I I really don't want to judge like I, I I to me it's like he asked. Good question. He asked his the questions that he could ask, and 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 what he asked you was uh, uh, about Coltrane's playing in the late fifties. Uh, the 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 uh, you know the, the 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 propensity of notes he was playing that eventually moved into yeah. early sixties, and 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 you you know, and he made some comment about labeling it or something, and you were like, you said, you know, I I just think I just think Coltrane would have just he it's just music. You know, it's just it's just music. Like it's not. It doesn't need to be vetted, and and and, and uh, it, right. That's it, all. And, you know, if you talk to Coltrane or talk to Sonny Rollins, you know, their guys just wanted to play. play. They both loved each other's playing. You know, it's not about one guy playing better than the other. It just isn't. It's just one guy saying this, this guy saying that. And if they have the chops and everything to do it, then you you listen to them. You know, it's like they. Everybody, if they're, if they're true to themselves, which is the main issue as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. You know, I don't mean true in a corny way. I mean, just find out who the hell you are. Why would you ever want to do what other people are doing? I never could understand that. <laughs> I mean, while you're learning, I understand this. But when you're, you know, if you're going to play, I mean, all you have to do is discover yourself. Just find out who you are. What do you want to say, you know? And, and get the trust and get everything you have to do it. I mean, I studied everywhere. I tried everything. I talked to people. I, I played all my life. I mean, I played a billion gigs. I mean, you know, when I was working hard in Chicago, you know, I was doing 365 dates, sometimes 390. You know, I mean, we were playing every day. 390? Yes. Holy dude, that is prolific. In one year. That is prolific. Yeah, so I mean, I was playing all hours. So in other words, I'm playing a lot of weird gigs and everything, but the point is, what am I going to do? Play bad or what? <laughs> you know, so it was a matter of concentrating all day and then trying to keep the practice up and try to keep everything going. So it was about playing four, six, eight hours a day all the time and then staying sharp, you know, because you can get stupid. You know, you, you, you just can't let yourself go. I mean, it was always about learning how to play. It blows my mind that people don't, uh, you know, learn how to play. You know, just learn how to 
Yeah. Well, no, but, but uh, part, you know, I'm looking at my, my career, my yeah. career. What the hell are you talking about, your career? You know, it's like I'm sorry to get in shape. <laughs> no, no, no. It's 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 all good. You you know, I mean, I I think that I think that uh, it it is everything became uh, you know streamlined in an educational sense, so that you know what's happening with younger younger musicians now is that they're just they're inside the confines of a classroom, and you were unleashed into the urban jungle of Chicago. And that's too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're. I'm sorry, but you know, you're 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 going to be picking up a lot of. I mean, that is a. That's an education, and, and that's in many well, ways. Well, I, I did. You know, I studied in a lot of places. I, uh, I, uh, I, I lived in Japan. I lived in Japan for a couple of years. Uh, um, you know, I spent time everywhere, and uh, it's all good. I mean, where do you ever have to go? You know, if you hear this good teacher, or this good person. You just go and listen to him. I remember when West Montgomery put out his his first record. You know, he was we were in Chicago and his record was going to be out at, at midnight or something. He was a postman then at that time or whatever the hell was going. I remember we, you know, we heard about him. We knew Mel Ryan uh, from Milwaukee. Played organ with him, and it uh, it was. I don't know. If people want to learn. You got to learn where you can. You know, it's <laughs> it's all good. How did you? How did you? Um, how did you get from Pittsburgh? Well, uh, my first question is also: um, Did you know uh, guys like Booker Irvin and John Hurd and those guys? I knew all of them all. Okay. Yeah, I was. I was in the. I. I, I joined the Navy when when I was uh, eighteen years old. Sure. So that's where I really got uh, out to see. You know, like, like. Uh, Fifty saxophone players. I saw fifty saxophone players before that. I never did. You know, it's like um, people from New York, people from here. Then that's when all the good stuff happened because all from the all from the bands I was in and uh, around. That's when Wayne Shorter was also in Japan just before I got there. He was uh, doing some. Uh, uh, he was like the big guy there. Whenever I got there, then I was the big guy. <laughs> but, you know, then the, it, it, was, it was like a, a factory of people. You know, wow. like very cool. And all of us went into different big bands. I went with Ray McKinley and uh, and Elton uh, Mercury and uh, well, a million bands. They uh, recorded with Tom Basie. Just just a lot of things. Just just gigs. You know. And we're glad to get them. And they were uh, basically that's what got me uh, out. And then I, I was heading for uh, you know for New York after I got out of the service. And uh, I ended up in Chicago, and I was going to just get a couple gigs there for a couple of days. And then I ended up it, it was a great place. And I had gotten married at that time. And. Uh, was going to have a kid, so I stayed in Chicago because it was a big city. And then I traveled from there to New York. You know, me and George, did, uh, George Marsh, you mentioned, sure. you know, we did a thing at Town Hall, and uh, I did a thing with uh, London Symphony and Chicago Symphony. Uh, uh, he probably told you about Ralph Shapey, right? Well, no, I, I was going to lead into it. I was going to. I was hoping you could you could talk a little bit about your experience with uh, with Second City. Uh, Second City, we 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 used to 
practice maybe three, five times a week. Uh, when I was first in Chicago, uh, George, me, Clyde Flowers, and uh, Bill Matthew. We had a nice little group. Oh, man. And, and we were just out there. I mean, it, we, we used to play games like a game called Silence. Like you'd play a couple things like da-da-da-da-da, then stop, and then until you come back, you, the music has to keep going on silent until you come back with something. <laughs> so it has to always be, you know, your mind is always working hard. you're doing I know listen do you do you, you said it a couple of times I mean you talk about knowing having you know needing to know everything you know it's not just about playing free because otherwise it's just drivel it's just noise yeah you know but but do you feel like not that it, that's always been a constant thing in your career or as you've gone on you feel like those are things that have just you know really gone by the wayside I mean a lot of some of the guys I talk to are, are you know it's like not even uh, a, a cool thing to be good at an instrument. Improvisational music, which was flourishing back in the Second City days, is essentially not even looked upon now. It's a it's a very vocal, uh, late, you know, heavy society now. A lot of vocals and and not a lot yeah. of, not a lot of improvisation. Or and I just wanted to get your take on you know it, you know how that how you've always sort of been fighting against that. You're or have you been uh, fighting? You work, yeah, but but. But I'm still from the school of, you know, if you have to play something, you go play it. If it's ethnic, if it's this, if it's uh, yeah. tunes, if it's jazz, if it's sort of free, if it's real free, you just go and you do that. I mean, that's what the people hired you for or whatever. But the point is, you do it. Yeah. And if it's the truth, everybody understands that 
somehow. It really blows my mind how that works. Like, you know, you can just see a guy with you'll pick up his horn or something and start playing. You just say, that guy knows what's going on, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah, you're I mean, right. He just no, you're knows right. What's no, going I... on. It's not like, uh, 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 it's nothing. It's yeah. just like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, like a guy will settle for a sound or something. Why would you settle for one sound? I never could understand that. You know, well, tell like me, tell me about. Yeah, tell one me. One time, I, for a year, I played nothing higher than a mezzo forte because I wouldn't. I was practicing something. You know, but, but it's like, why would you? Why would you not use a big sound when you need it? A small sound when you need it? Uh, a thin sound, a, a fat sound. A, why would you use everything? And that always got me. So I never, like everybody, complained about the business and stuff like that. But uh, I just believe people can hear good music. I just been trying to play all my life, and somehow I worked all my life. I have no idea how I did it. <laughs> it wasn't like I looked for work or something. I mean, I went and got gigs sometimes, but basically, I'm, it, it, it just came in. You know, it's like I think if you play good and playing for the right reasons and all the thing, I just think that it shows through. You know, what are you going to do with? People like it, don't like it, of course. But there was a time when playing saxophone was a sin, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I didn't. I I didn't even think about that too much. I mean, it was a hardship at times uh, playing jazz or, or something. But it really didn't bother me because I can always, uh, if they need a flute player over here to do this, I can always go play flute. I can play clarinet. I play legit clarinet, I play, you know, whatever it took, that's what I could do. I knew it a billion tunes, but I always like, I always play tunes. That was probably my biggest uh, attribute was, you know, play all kinds of tunes and stuff, just because I played them all my life, you know. So I, I sort of, when you talk about, was it hard? Yeah, Jesus, you know, now everybody plays saxophone. It blows my mind, you know. Stars that play saxophone, like Kenny uh, G's a, a, a saxophone player. But you see that kind of stuff when you talk about what they're doing today or what they're doing tomorrow, what they did or something. It's, it's all apples and, and oranges, you know. He's selling apples somewhere, doing whatever he's doing, and this guy's selling this and this. And, and I'm trying to learn how to play, and this guy's trying to learn how to play. I mean, I think the good players are trying to learn how to play. Sonny Rollins practices all the time, he's trying to learn how to play, I'm trying to learn how to play, uh, and uh, Coltrane was always practicing, they said, uh, I mean, it was a great story with Coltrane and with Miles, Miles said, man, you know, could you, could you cut down so many solos, they're so long and everything, and, and, and Coltrane said, I can't, I can't, and Miles said, take it out your mouth, 